coming to get you, Barbara. Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. But I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Welcome back to Long Walk Talks. My name is Kara Hayes, and I'm an associate producer for Long Walk Productions, here to introduce your host, David Hensley. Thank you very much, Kara Hayes. I am David Hensley, owner and creative director of Long Walk Productions, and I am joined today, as always, by my two co-hosts, Stan Wilson-Lee. Hello. And Chris Wilson-Barnes. What do you want my honesty setting at for this podcast? 100%. Oh, okay. well, I should 110%. go 110%. And today we are going to be continuing our discussion of uh, the selected filmography of Christopher Nolan. And uh, we're going to be discussing the 2014 film Interstellar. Now, uh, Stan, this is the uh, second time around for the two of us seeing this. But Chris, you saw it for the first time last night, correct? I did, yes. What were your uh, general thoughts about the film? Uh, Like I told you uh, earlier today, I think it's a... I think it's a good sci-fi movie with a phenomenal budget. Okay, that's fair. All right, well, to kick off our discussion here, our first topic is all future farming or all space travel? Would the film work if it had chosen just one? And I ask this because the first time I saw this film, uh, when I saw it in the theater, I spent the first 20, 30 minutes, however long it takes for Coop to get to space, being like, it's about oh, 46 minutes. 46. Yeah. Wow. Well, I spent that whole time going, all right, just fucking get to space. This is a movie about space. Let's get to space. But watching it again the other night, I, I found myself weirdly invested in the Earth plot, like the plight of the future farmer. Mm-hmm. And I found myself thinking, I, I know where this is going. I know that they are going to space eventually. I could really just, I could watch a whole movie about this. I, I really liked the world that Nolan was building. So, Stan, what do you think? Could it have worked if it had gone in just one way or the other? Um, like you, I'm, I, I'm kind of, I kind of dig, because again, for the second time watching this, I was kind of, I was kind of uh, shook up by the, where Nolan drops us at the beginning of the movie. It's like, you're like just dropped into the situation and it's, the situation's already happened. You know, it's been like, I don't know how many years, but it's already the future. The bad things have happened to the world. Uh, and that's the whole reason for the idea of to go to space. And uh, uh, Coop is already a, considered a failed astronaut and everything, you know, and, 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 or a disgraced astronaut or something because he had a crash in his, uh, and so he became a farmer. And so the idea that... Um, farmer in a place in a land that no longer is very generous to farmers you know and and so the idea to set that up and so again i was i was kind of surprised um and then i'm like oh yeah we're in the future (laughs) and um so the i i think it does need the setup you know and so we get the explanation why he's a farmer now and and because we need to know that that he, they find him and that he's chosen to become, you know, the savior of the time or whatever. But um, I might think that it didn't have to stay 
at the farm long enough, but um, like you, I, I kind of, it's like, this could have been two-thirds of the film, and I would have been okay with it, and then, you know, have a climactic thing of uh, going to space and doing the final, you know, uh, deep impact, save the world type thing, but, uh, um, I, and I liked, you know, and it, and it gave us Casey Affleck's, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, I, I, I dig both halves a lot. Chris, what do you think? All future farming or all space travel? Could it have worked? Um, I don't know. I mean, as weird as the pacing is for it, I, I, I think it's about the appropriate amount of time spent on both. Cause it's like a, it's like, even though it's 46 minutes, it's still a, like a two hour and 48 minute film. So the first bit is just like a super big rush to get to the outer space part. And when it gets there, it slows down mm-hmm. to, I, I guess, to reflect really? the, the time. It does. It slows down super hard. I thought it sped up when it got to space. I don't know what you watched. <laughs> because I thought the first half was... No, that was felt long. incredibly rushed. Like, it was building super quick to something, and then they were just in space. It definitely did not seem like 46 minutes to me that they were on Earth, but I wasn't timing it. Um, no, it was very much like, come on, come on, space, 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 space. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed all of the Earthbound stuff, which surprised me this go around it's it's interesting because uh well he does a good job of not spoon feeding you exposition about what's what the situation is it's like you you are getting you're you're in media res and it's just like as this this day unfolds for coop and his family you you get an idea of what's happening starting with the fact that uh he he tracks and and hijacks a an Indian yeah. an Indian drone plane because he wants to harvest the battery from it to power machines on his farm. Yes. It's like that's a weird thing to have just happened. Why? Yeah, it, the film really does set it up as though like, oh, Coop is going to steal this drone and you know uh, reprogram it and send it to outer space or something, and it's like. No, he's he's stealing parts from it for <laughs> his farm equipment. Yeah, and he's talking about how they're they're still up in the sky. That that one had been up in there for at least ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's like, and you you hear that and you're like, what? Yeah, his son asked him, um, why did it come down so low now? You know, and yeah, it's like, because it's probably at the end of its. It was looking motor. for food. It was looking yeah. for food. The poor thing was hungry. <laughs> I do really enjoy the Christopher Nolan way of telling you things through dialogue and then moving on without over explaining too much. Like it's just casually mentioned in the lines that there are no more militaries anymore Uh, because everyone presumably on earth is struggling the same struggle. What's the point of fighting each other? And technology, I mean, technology is very much a a much rarer commodity Mm -hmm. at that point that there, there is like, like seeing a drone just come down as a big event. It's like beyond what they need to farm. And the whole idea that the technology is used to who's going to continue to be farmers. Like, you know, his daughter oh, yeah. had, you know, tested well enough to go on to do other stuff. But his son tests like, to the point where. Nope, farmer. He, yep, he's a farmer. You know, and we need farmers. So this is not a this is not a mark on his abilities or whatever, but it's just, we need him here. Our resources are so limited. He's not, he's not at a level where we can 
where they basically say they're not at a level where they can afford to give resources for him to be anything but a farmer. Right. It's so interesting to paint a picture of a future world that is so starkly different from every other future world we're painted in movies or like flying cars and holographic cell phones and lasers. And here we get a vision of the future that is starkly depressing. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's nary a cell phone in the entire movie. Well, Definitely well, not a smartphone. No. Well, the, the interesting thing is once he gets to the point where he's, he finds what's left of NASA, you realize it's like, oh, apparently for a little bit we had that kind of future, and then things went downhill. Yeah. And also, for some reason, NASA wanted to bomb American citizens. No, they wanted, they wanted NASA to bomb right. citizens, I guess, as a way to drastically reduce the population. Because oh, of, because yeah, of res- I didn't think about that. Because of you know, resources going downhill, they were like, they just wanted them to go ahead and, and wipe out population so there'd be more resources for the ones left, I guess. What a depressing future a that would depre- be. A very depressing thing. And NASA said no when they, then they got disbanded. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's just take a minute here to talk about what I dubbed the mcconaughey Assance because <laughs> this was right there around the time where uh, Matthew McConaughey transitioned from being like, a romantic comedy heartthrob to holy shit he actually can act and you can tell he's trying because of how low he's talking during the very dramatic scenes <laughs> right um this was in that time when he was doing like dallas buyers club and one of my all-time favorite seasons of television true detective the yes. first season of true detective and the lincoln lawyer and which i just yeah. like saying because of the alliteration yeah alliteration is fun or as you said earlier david lincoln logger no, but I just said Lincoln Logs. Lincoln Logs. It's Isaac. funny that it's stuck this time because, I mean, earlier in his career, he did A Time to Kill. Right. And Dazed and Confused, which yeah. he was... Well, I think he, he tried being a serious actor, realized he could make a metric fuck ton of money by fair. being a Absolutely fair. Uh, rom-com heartthrob, and then made so much money that he was like, you know what, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want. All right, all right, all right. That seems to be the path you have to take a lot of times in Hollywood, is you have to, well, you've won, you have to give them the, the, money, the money movies before mm-hmm. they'll, they'll make, and you have to be a bankable star enough to be like, okay, now I want to leverage that into the stuff I really want to make. Right. And he got to, I, I think he got to the point where he was also over, say, you know, you can't tell people you smoke. You know, it's like, it's like or well, that you don't wear deodorant. I, I like it. Yeah. You know? So it's like, I, I don't care if people know that I smoke pot. And so it's like he wasn't going to work with those people that were going to be, you know, you have an image to 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 control. You know, it's like, you know, you got to keep up your image. It's like, no, I, I want to do what I want to do. And that's why I think True Detective helped a lot because he got to do the stuff and the type of stuff that he wanted to do. And and. Yes, I, I agree with you with True, True Detective. That's one of the great seasons of television ever. Um, for me, the moment that solidified like, oh, damn, he's really good in this is once they get back from the water planet and he watches the the messages that have accrued over 23 oh, yeah. years. Just the long shot of him sitting there and slowly breaking down and then yeah. just sobbing mm-hmm. is so heartbreaking that's i mean that's after the revelation that because of the the time dilation uh they were technically down there for about 23 years yep like <clears throat> 23 years and four some, months and eight days yeah, i think some, is what they said to it, yeah uh yeah he as somebody on tv tropes pointed out he finds out that he is a grandfather and that his grandson has died in the space of about 30 seconds yep and 
that uh, God, the message from Murph, adult Murph, mm. to him is just so heart wrenching. It is. Um, yeah, what a what a great turn for McConaughey. Not to say that everyone else in the movie isn't great, because there's a lot of uh, like award worthy performances in there. I think it's a shame that. I mean, this film only got like visual effect nominations. I mean, it's it's on the the cover of the copy you loaned me. They won for special effects, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, McConaughey, in my opinion, should have at least been nominated for best actor that year. He, and he carries the movie. He really does. Um, he's in every scene, right? He's got to be. Uh, well, I mean, the majority. He's yeah. in ninety percent of it, yeah. I'd say. And and he is. He is consistently brilliant through the whole movie. Even Anne Hathaway, who has to deliver what could have possibly been one of the, the worst, worst monologues of all time. Please tell me it's the love monologue. Yes. Oh, yes. God. Oh, okay, God. see, no, you know what my problem with that monologue was? It came after she, she basically dressed him down for <laughs> daring to care about people on Earth. Yes. Right. And then she's like, but I love this man. Love right. Him. And it's important, love is. It was pretty horrible, but she... She committed yes, to it, though, she did. which is admirable. I'm like, not. She did it well, but I was just thinking there the whole time. This character, and it comes back later when um, uh, Coop does say she was right. Uh, love is. Right. She was right for the wrong reasons. Yes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like by all accounts, uh, they. I mean, just looking at the cold hard facts, even though those cold hard facts weren't true at all, like. Uh, man's planet was the better option if they're looking at it objectively. Turns out, though, should have followed their hearts. Well, should have followed her heart. Because those cold hard facts took him to a cold hard planet. Which she ends up doing at the end, right? Isn't that... Well, well, I mean, she doesn't follow... She goes there out of necessity. Yeah, it's the only viable option left. Yeah. Only to find out that the poor guy is dead. Like, this this film is just one (laughs) gut punch after the other for all of its main characters. I think the only person who gets by without some kind of slap in the face from life is Toby, uh, I'm sorry, Topher Grace's character. <laughs> That's true. He still oh, gets punched. Hey, was, oh, <laughs> never mind. He actually does get punched in the face. So, yeah, yeah literally and metaphorical uh, face punches for everybody in this film. Uh, and did we, did we? Were we introduced to Topher Grace? No, it was just uh, out of nowhere. Yeah, because and then all of a sudden she's kissing him, and uh, it's like, okay, were we introduced to this character? No, he was just in the car. Um, yeah, he was. Well, like, no, well, he, he shows up. Like a no, no, kid no. Or anything uh, I, I know. She, she offhandedly mentions she knows someone who could come and take a look at her, their son the, because of his cough. Right. He's introduced though at the hospital. Oh. Um, uh, well, I, I don't know if it's at the hospital or if they're in like a special room at NASA headquarters. Right. Uh, but when uh, Elder Brand, yeah, um, yeah. my cocaine's uh, <laughs> character, is dying, uh, he's the one. And uh, Really? I, met, I looked away for a second and missed it because the first time I noticed him was in the car. And I was like, oh, shit, that's Topher Grace. I, true Christopher Nolan style. It's like no exposition, no introduction to this character. Here's like, I guess you could call him an A-list celebrity. Introduced walking into frame and going like, he's in here. Come on. And honestly, like having watched enough Christopher Nolan movies, I would not have been surprised if that had been it for Topher Grace. <laughs> he walks on, says he's in here, and then just disappears for the I rest of the movie. To do a Christopher Nolan movie, <laughs> yeah, fuck it, I would do it. Right? Yeah. If that was my only part, uh, sure, I'll do it. 
Um, all right, our next topic, uh, the changing of the aspect ratios. How noticeable was it? One, how noticeable was it to the two of you? I didn't. Uh, I didn't really? Know, honestly, when, when did they change? Constantly. Did not notice. Um, it switched between like 235.1 widescreen mm. and full screen at times like every other shot, basically. I did not notice that. Yeah. Stan, did you notice? Um, I may have been at a disadvantage on this because I think I may have seen it at the because I was watching the IMAX enhanced. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, I'm no, talking no, about. No, 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 I'm think, I'm talking wrong, aren't I? Because I did that on the uh, Disney Plus shot. So uh, no, for Interstellar, I'm mixing these two up. Uh, Interstellar, I was watching it on my because I own the Blu-ray, so whatever the Blu-ray is set is up it, as. So I did. Is that I, something I that I mainly happens on the 4K versus the Blu-ray? Because I watched uh, again. I don't have a 4K player, so I watched your Blu-ray. Uh, you know, I might have probably should have researched that before I added it to the discussion because yeah I watched it in 4k okay and it was much maybe that was something that specifically happened with the IMAX version okay yeah so maybe they took the advantage of it took advantage of the 4k format to put like the IMAX footage in there at its like full screen mm. ratio I, I did notice that the difference between the early stuff on earth which was seemed more square um i think we had more the letterbox idea for the space stuff which would make sense to make space seem bigger yeah i did notice that it where it really started to get it not getting to me but really became noticeable to me is once they get to space um like all the interiors on the spaceship or Mm -hmm. any like close-up on the characters were in widescreen yes Mm -hmm. and then when it would cut to exteriors of space or exteriors of the planets that they were on like all of the establishing shots were in imax full screen but not like in traditional like four three full screen i mean like not exactly 16 by 9 but like this enormous shots planet Yes, yes, we'll get to human. I don't know. If I, see, honestly, I don't know if it happened place. or if I would have caught it unless you had pointed it out to me. I kind of want to go home and pop in the Blu-ray to see if it's the same or if it's just on the 4K. Hmm. That was kind of a, a dud of a discussion topic not in really. retrospect. It's interesting, but, it, but it's yeah, interesting I, to point out that he... Because I did not notice it when I... At least I don't remember noticing it when I saw it in the theater. And, it just became obvious watching it at home. I wasn't looking for anything like that, so um, uh, I, 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 I didn't have a clear, defined difference in it, so... I didn't put this in the discussion topics, but actually now that we're talking about watching it at home, this is the perfect time to bring it up. Mm-hmm. This is quite possibly the only time in cinema history of my lifetime where I have been more glad to watch something at home with the subtitles on than I was to see it in the theater. Yeah. Because Katie and I went to see this when it came out, and I unfortunately walked away from it just going, okay, well, that's a film that I saw. I was not overly impressed by it. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have been because it was so fucking hard to understand. This film is really the one where people were like, okay, but seriously, why can't Christopher Nolan do a decent sound mix on his films? Watching it in the theater, even with massive speakers, like Dolby speakers, you could not understand what the fuck anyone was saying. So naturally, when I put it on the other night, I turned on the subtitles, and actually being able to know what people were saying was... Oh, like yeah. a game changer for the movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's a moot point to say these days to watch it at home. But like, yeah, 
at home with subtitles on is the way to watch the movie. And, and even because I watched it on my living room, uh, 32 inch screen. And so it doesn't have, I don't have like a sound bar for it or any, you know, kind of, uh, sound system. So kind of almost mono in the sense that there isn't the overlaying of sound on top. So it was like, I didn't even need the subtitles because I only had, you know, everything was mixed up front for me, you know, vocally, you know, uh, dialogue wise. So, so it was, and I, and I think I had the same effect that you did the first time I saw was that there was a lot of sound Mm -hmm. and that covered what was being said or, um, especially, especially when we get to the Tesseract, you know, all the stuff that's going on and mixing in. So it's like whenever they did a, you know, it's lots of stuff swirling. So it's like, but this time when I watched it, it was like, oh, okay. That, yeah, that was clear. That was clear. It's clear, clear. Did you watch it with subtitles on, Chris? Well, yeah, I, 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 I usually do that as default. Because, oh, okay. But, I mean, like I knew about the sound, the sound things, the sound issues that Christopher Nolan has and, uh, especially the prestige made it very important for me to have him on. Um, but I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? Uh, I was just going to say um, it, w- this film was so fucking weird in regards to the sound mixing, because I remember it was a huge deal. Like everybody online was talking about it, like all the big, uh, you know, if entertainment film sites made a big deal out of it to the point where when you went to the theater to see it, they had signs posted yep. around saying when the audio drops out, like they basically spoiled a portion of the movie as you're mm-hmm. walking in because it's like, oh, when the sound drops out from the uh, ship explosion, that's on purpose. It's not a problem right. it's with the It's the vacuum theater. of space because you're not supposed to hear anything happening. It's the vacuum of space. Yeah, it's, it's reality is unrealistic. Right, because right, yeah. most, most of the time people, you know, they go, they, like most movies just put sound in there because you're expecting to hear it. Right. Not, uh, but surprisingly for me, I, and I don't know if the, the Blu-ray and 4K were, re, were remixed in response to it, but this is actually the loudest Blu-ray uh, I've, I've watched on my Blu-ray player to date. Most of the time when I put one in, I've got to boost the volume super loud. Like normally when I watch TV uh, or like YouTube or something on my TV, I, keep it, I can keep it in between like 15 and 20 and it's plenty loud. It's loud enough. When I put a movie in and I switch it over, it's I've got to boost it up to like fifty or sixty. Like most most of the Blu-rays I play, they're they're kind of low for some reason. This one I was I was able to keep like around twenty, and it was like plenty loud. Yeah. I even uh-huh. dropped it down a little bit. Um, but subtitles were absolutely mandatory because uh, a Nolan protagonist is always a low talker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it wasn't just McConaughey, you know, trying real hard. So he's with Casey Affleck too. He, you know, whenever he oh was everybody, out, he was like he was here. Uh, no, when it was super, when it was important, when it was serious, yes, everyone was yes, yes. just a lower volume uh, range. Again, when that I, was Anne Hathaway's what, entire love monologue yeah, was spoken I, I, at a yeah, very exactly, low volume. Exactly. And what I needed it for was <laughs> Michael Caine's revelation speech when he was yes. sick and dying, because everything was like one word, and it was all covered up with his. <laughs> With his pain. He had the, he had the cadence. I mean, he was dying, but he had the cadence of a speaking yeah, spell. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's move on to our next topic, which is every single one of these people who went on this space flight is a much braver person than I am. Sure. That's part of the call. Uh, 
not just, you know, sure, going to space sounds cool. If I were Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, I would 100% take that chance. It was when they started getting into their cryopods and I looked at like the three-step process of laying down in a thin, uh, you know, layer of water, then having canvas pulled over you and conforming down to you. Just going to pre-insert you into your body bag. Right. And then the lid of the cryo tube closing, I was like, no, I'd be out. I would just be awake for the entire two years that's to Saturn a, that's a sensor- because fuck that. It has to put you to sleep because that's a sensory deprivation chamber and yeah. it will drive you nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could not... Uh, Romilly, Rom, is it Romilly? I think it was... Uh, yes. Or as I like to think of him, Rom the Space Knight. <laughs> because they, um, that's, for the most of the movie, that's what they refer to that character as, is I mean, Rom. He, he, yeah, he points out one of the, one of the uh, scariest things of a spaceship where he, where he looks at uh, Coop and goes, millimeters of aluminum and then nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good God. It's, like, all, it's all that's keeping you in there. Um, during the whole uh, having to dock the ship to the spinning wildly out of control, I don't, uh, I don't want to call it the mother ship. I don't know <laughs> what to call the the like home base ship. What was in the Endeavor? Was I think it, or the Endurance. It was the Endurance. Sure. <laughs> Uh, the whole sequence of him trying to dock to that while it's spinning out of control, Katie was like, how is he not throwing up everywhere? Because you get tested for that as an astronaut. As a yeah. pilot and an astronaut, you have to, you, you're tested to withstand the force of multiple Gs. Because uh, that's the whole... You have to talk into the microphones, Daniel. The whole head to the side thing, yeah. you know, and him having to look, you know, it's like, oh, okay, is everything happening? Because everything's pushing him backwards right. and uh so that's, he was probably wanting to throw up that whole time that's why they also have those flight suits that basically hold like cinch so tight they hold your blood in place so yes. it doesn't fly away from your head yes yeah but um i it was a, that was a neat maneuver where he matched the spin of this of the ship so that they could basically sync up and dock yeah that was a great sequence because uh, just enough time had passed uh, to where I didn't remember, honestly, a whole lot about the plot of this movie. Um, but there was a time when I was wondering if the movie had possibly blown its load too early on the whole uh, sequence where man is attacking uh, Cooper mm-hmm. and that's intercut with uh, the exploding um, Kip and like mm-hmm. how great the score is at that time, like that almost seems like it should have been the climax of the movie. And I, having not remembered much past that, I was like, did the did it really just like you know blow its climax here with still an hour to go? <laughs> and then no, once it gets to the having to dock the ship, I was like, oh, this is this is fucking great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the point was um, no, you you're. If that's what it takes, you're not getting me into fucking space. <laughs> if I have to lay down and be entombed, but no, you thank know you. That. We'll You've probably the... done it 55 times in training, you know. And done oh, I understand that, but I wouldn't have like done that. it once in training. <laughs> See, I wouldn't mind it. You know, the water, laying in the water for, for two years may have been a, pissed me off for a little bit. But I noticed based on who all was going, Coop had to be there because he was the... He was the archetype of the early astronauts, the space cowboys who were just, right. they right. were that level of, uh, of getting it done quick, getting it done, not, not in the cleanest way, but getting it done the, the dirtiest way just so it gets done. And manually. 
Yep. And manually. And yeah, as they point out, uh, of everyone who goes on this journey, he is the only one that's actually done it live right. and not right. in a simulation. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're not getting me in a spaceship now. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, next, uh, I want to talk about uh, the best side characters slash actors in the movie. Sure. Because as I was telling Stan a, a while ago, uh, I remembered only three people in this movie. Yeah. I remembered Anne Hathaway. I remembered Matthew McConaughey. And I don't know why, but I remembered Casey Affleck. <laughs> Did Casey, not remember my cocaine. Casey Affleck was adult. Uh, Tom. Tom yeah. Adult. Okay, yeah, he was one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, did not remember him. Didn't. Re- I'm sorry, did not remember like Bryce Dallas Howard or Michael Caine mm-hmm. or John Lithgow. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard? I'm sorry, Jessica Chastain. Jessica They're Chastain. the same fucking they, person. They the same. You can't <laughs> convince right. me that Bryce Dallas Howard and Jessica <laughs> Chastain aren't the same person. I agree. Um, but yeah, so uh, of of the like A-list cast in this movie, Stan, uh, who stood out to you as like the best side character? Um, you know, I really like Topher Grace in this, but, but my favorite probably, uh, uh, Rom, I liked Rom, mm-hmm. but you're saying A-list, so. Cause, well, yeah. I mean, not necessarily all A-list, um, but, uh, you know, the, of the side characters. Um, I have to agree with Chris. I really enjoyed Casey Affleck. Mm-hmm. I think this was one of his best things. Um, and most of his stuff was sitting at a video screen talking to stuff. Then we finally get to see him driving around in a truck or fighting a fire and stuff. But, but the idea that... Talking growly the entire time. Yes. And, the, and the, the whole, the, his whole estrangement with Jessica Chastain's character. And Jessica Chastain, I thought, was really, 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 really great. Um, especially her, her reaction to... My cocaine's revelation of what what this was really. I'm about. so glad that caught on. <laughs> and uh, uh, that, that's Michael Caine, by the way. Just uh, they yeah, know, that's what I, I said. They know. You've <laughs> just case, been saying his name the whole first time. time listener. Um, but uh, I, I I really like Casey Affleck. I really like Topher Grace. I really liked um, uh, uh, who is <coughs> I said Rom, especially when. When we first meet Rom, when Coop, why do you sound like you're dying? I don't know. Uh, when Coop first enters, you sound like Tom when he got uh, back from NASA fighting that fire in the cornfield and meets the meets the group or whatever for the first time. Uh, so Rom's first appearance in that group, he's re, he's like the voice of reason, and uh, he's really great in that. Um, and I don't even know the actor's name, but that sucks. Um, it was a pretty damn good supporting cast. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. all around, and Matt Damon's really, really good. Yes, and his, uh, and I guess it's considered a cameo, but it's a little more than a cameo. But the thing is, he's really, really great, and he's a heavy in this. Yeah, he's the heavy in this. Chris, what do you think? Uh, well, I, like I said, I really enjoyed Casey Affleck as adult Tom. Mm-hmm. You really get a good glimpse of Tom having to grow up without his dad and trying his best to just get by. In, yeah. in the world that is still dying, and he's 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 doing he's doing all he knows basically, and you get that especially that scene where he he has to say goodbye, where yeah. he, basically his wife is like you know I don't know I don't think these messages are getting to you so I'm just gonna have to say goodbye. Really sad. Um, Casey Affleck I think has one of the best show don't tell moments uh, because early on in the film uh, 
Coop is talking to uh, his father-in-law, John Lithgow's character, about how all the farmers around here, uh, they are always saying next year, next year, uh, everything will come up great. And at one point early when they're, after we're introduced to adult Tom, he literally says something to one of the other farmers like, oh, well, it'll be better next year. And it's just such a great callback. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got to agree with Stan. Uh, Matt Damon steals the show. Not not for me. No? No, because my best all-rounders are, oh, tar- are Tars and Case. Yeah. <clears throat> the Robot Buddies. Yes. Yes, I want one. Yeah. Like, you, you, like since it's NASA operating in secret, they still have access to the high, some of the high-level technology, and that includes the uh, basically um, almost fully sapient AIs that they have running around that run the security and do, like, the groundwork and run, help run the ship. Uh, and TARS in particular is a military grade robot in this future and uh, he's really they have really good personalities I I love that and also on top of that the way they move is kind of terrifying (laughs) because it's it's a bit alien because of how they designed these things to move yeah it's like they took four rectangles and bolted them together Mm -hmm. Uh, and and we're remiss Um, John Lithgow is really great in this Um, and he he plays the mother figure for the most part in this, um, and the and the kids in this movie is a young like, Timothy Chalamet playing young Tom. I, I think this counts Chalamet. as the first thing okay. I've ever watched him in because I didn't realize that was him until I checked the cast. I, I didn't Timothy either. Chalamet. I was wondering. Um, yeah, watching the movie made me really want a um, a robot buddy because <laughs> um, yeah, like you said, Tars and Case are both great. I really wish I knew what those stand for because, like we said uh, earlier today, uh, they have to be acronyms for something. I just have not been able to see what they are acronyms That's for. That's a TARS, but I, I can't remember what they said it was. TARS was. Um, and I love the way they integrate the robots into the technology. Mm-hmm. Like every time you see the two of them like interacting with the spaceship, they just blend seamlessly into it. Um, but yeah, Matt Damon gives such a nuanced performance as like, he is the closest thing the movie has to a, to an antagonist, unless you count like nature itself. Well, so, and Dr. Brand, you know, it was funny. They did a, they did a weird misdirect with, uh, Murph's, uh, message after Dr. Brand dies Mm -hmm. because it's playing as they go to the planet. And and Tar, Tars is watching it, and you think, oh, what is this going to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, it, but later this the video plays, and it's just. <laughs> yeah, I love. I, again, we could just talk about the robots for the rest of the yeah. podcast, and I'd be good with it. The fact that they don't inevitably turn out to be evil, right? <laughs> like most AI robots in future movies do. Yeah, they frame it, and again, having uh, enough time having passed where I didn't remember a whole lot. When you see the shot of Tars watching Murph's video, it's like, oh, shit, is it going, is he is going to... Is that Tars su- or Case? I thought it was Case. One of the two. Tars. It's one of the two. They, it, I assumed it was Tars because it, it was upright. Case isn't really super upright for most of the movie. I, I honestly couldn't tell you the difference <laughs> between the two of them. That might be racist to robots, but... <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, it's framed the way a, a future movie would typically see, like, oh, it's going to suppress the message or it's going to edit the message to sell some self-serving way. The alien android. I thought, uh, initially, I thought it was going to cut off right before Murph goes, did you know? Right, right. right. Me too. 
Um, but no, turns yeah. out that, yeah, they are really just benevolent, friendly AIs. And uh, yeah, so, and, but, but you end up seeing that video twice so that uh, the main characters can see it and, uh, and Dr. Mann can confirm that the plan was never to get everyone off Earth. It's so, I think it's such a great writing that on the one hand you're like, oh, you sons of bitches for both him and uh, uh, Brand, adult, like Michael Caine Brand. But at the same time, it's like, well, you're not wrong. Uh, Brand, I was, just, I should say more so like, yeah, he, he kind of knew that his plan A was never going to work. Right. Plan B was like, you have to make a hard choice. Um, it's hard not to sympathize with man, though, having been marooned on an alien planet with 67 hour days and 67 hour nights for 20 years to not go a little bit insane. Yeah, you, you see the breakdown coming. <laughs> yeah, the a special mention has to go to when they wake man up and he sits up and looks at Coop and immediately starts crying and cries, hugging yeah. him. That was such a great performance from uh, Matt Damon. I, I, I thought so too. Yeah. I thought so too. <clears throat> so two points for Matt Damon, but also points for uh, the robot buddies. <laughs> All right. Well, we've already sort of been... Uh, going down this route anyway but our last discussion topic unless either of you have anything you want to bring up <clears throat> is the character of man it turns out Dr. the real villain man. is man <laughs> yeah man was the villain doctor man doctor hugh man you are never told his first name in the movie itself apparently it's only in the script and in the novelization that they published but that Matt was something Damon, for, Chris, for Christopher and his brother to giggle over in the script. And high five. Yeah. yeah. Um, as and, soon, when, when and, I was go, reading through the TV Tropes page and I saw that his name was Hugh Mann, I was like, you got to be fucking shitting me. I refuse to believe they didn't steal that joke from Futurama. Well, I refuse to believe that somewhere along the line there wasn't a discussion of like, well, we have to name him Mann because this is one small step for man, but one huge leap for humanity. Huh? Huh? And somebody else went, well, if we're going to name him Dr. Man, why not name him Dr. Hugh Man? And there's, huh? a, there's, a, there's a pause, and they stare, and they laugh and go, write it down, write it down. Yeah, and they jump up in the air, and they high-five, <laughs> and, and then they freeze-frame. Freeze no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Chest bump. No, <laughs> he's no. English. They don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't. Chest unless bump they're watching football. Yeah, no. If they chest bumped, they might spill their tea. True that. <laughs> wow. The monocles uh, might pop off. Yeah, I know. Wow. It, it would be too much. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would have been remiss to not bring up one of the worst names in movie history <laughs> for such a great character and for such a great actor to play that character. I cannot get over Doctor Human. Matt Damon, <laughs> played yes. by Matt Damon. Uh, we spent a long time gushing over <laughs> Hugh Man, though. Um, Again, they ha there's no way that didn't come from Futurama. Yeah, uh, know, for those I, of you, I know exactly Matt what episode. Demand. Yeah, uh, for those of uh, for any listeners who don't know the episode that you're referencing, do you want to give a quick uh, recap of where that? Oh, sure. Turns out it was Man uh, joke. Well, that from? that's from their 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 hilariously. Um, uh, a hilariously terse uh, satire uh, or parody of uh, Twilight Zone called The Scary Door where there's a short bit where he's 
where a scientist is just combined, like, I'll combine all the most evil things from nature and turn it into the ultimate monster. And it's, it's, based, it's basically just like a 15 second version of an actual Twilight Zone episode because uh, the, the door to the, the whatever chamber he's working in opens and, it, and his creation steps through and it just goes, turns out it's man. Yeah, it's just like a naked human who and says the, that line. And the human thing I'm saying is also <laughs> from the episode where Zoidberg is uh, put on trial for eating the earth flag. Oh, that's um, right. And then, then his species invade because he's found guilty. And one of the one of the spies on one of the Earth ships, uh, who steals secrets, is is that Brannigan turns and goes, "What's your name, soldier?" He goes, uh, "Man, Hugh Man, <laughs> Hugh Man." Now that's a name you can trust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, Doctor Hugh Man, I still can't. Whatever. Let's move on. Chris, uh, did you have any uh, thoughts or anything you wanted to discuss about the film? Uh, well, I just wanted to expand on my opening thought, which is when I said it's a good sci-fi story with a phenomenal budget. That's basically what I mean. It's just like it was a. It was a. I. I I'm not saying it's like a bad movie. I'm just saying it's like it. I've seen a lot of sci-fi similar to this. It just had the budget to really show you what it mm-hmm. was trying to get across, and it did it well. Um, so I'm not, I'm not running down the movie at all. I think it was a good movie. Um, probably won't watch it again, but that's fair. But it'll it was, probably be a minute before I watch it again too. You got to commit. It's a heavy film, and you have to be in the mood for yeah, it. It's a heavy film, and you got to commit because that's almost three hours right there. Yeah, you either have to be in a, in the mood for it, or you have to be recording a podcast about it in two days. <laughs> Uh, Stan, any uh, any final thoughts or anything um, that you want to discuss about it? I want to do a shout out to Hans Zimmer. I think it that's one yes. of his best scores and uh, um, com- compositions that he's done, and that includes the Dark Knight trilogy and everything. I think just the fact that the ending credits is just basically him plunking uh, keyboard keys or piano keys and then layering them on top of each other. And it's a fantastic, fantastic bit. I'm sorry. I just uh, thought, I just thought of Hans Zimmer just sitting in his studio, just doing that and looking at the clock. It's like three minutes to five. And then he high fived himself. (laughs) Then he high fived himself. Um, uh, cause he doesn't have anybody to high five with, but, uh, but that, and then his use of when we get to space, him taking the sound out. Yeah. And I don't know if he's responsible for that or if that's like well, a no, that would have been the sound supervisor. mixer or the sound okay. editor. Um, but uh, he had to have something because, you know, you would have the score going on along with whatever a regular uh, sound mix. And then and then we get into actual space in the vacuum and it just disappears. So yeah. his um, control of that, I thought was great. But I think that was I think that's one of his best scores ever. I also I also appreciate Nolan's ability to make a movie like this where things are bleak and they get bleaker and instead of doing what would I I think is honestly the easier thing to do and just be like well everything's fucked good night he finds a way to to earn a happy ending out of it yeah especially because from what I've read earlier drafts of the script ended uh, just with uh, Coop and Tars being stuck in the black hole like they communicate everything that they need to to Murph in the uh, in the past or yeah. c- future concurrently. I don't fucking know. Um, he existed outside of time at that point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, they communicated everything they needed to to her, and it's like, well, we're stuck in a black hole. The end, which would have been 
more depressing than everything else in the movie had been up to that point. But it is a very uh, optimistic, very hopeful yeah. ending. And I really, yeah, I also that, appreciated the that. Earth isn't saved, but they get people off Earth. Yes. They get people off Earth. And, and my well, question is... They made Plan A work, basically. Um, yeah. They made Plan A work. And that's my uh, question is, like, is Plan B... Uh, being done on the planet that Anne Hathaway's character is on at the end is that presumably okay. yeah she's yeah. there to incubate those embryos okay. and basically restart. See this is the <clears throat> this is the way I uh, I head canoned the time travel aspect of the movie. Like who are the future humans that sent back the black hole? That that's what I was going to ask next. Yeah, um, you know who who is communicating and creating the tesseract? The only thing that the only explanation, in my opinion, that makes sense is outside of Brand and Cooper and the other astronauts, at some point, somebody on Earth had the idea of sending embryos to a viable, livable planet, and those embryos then became, like, the future humans that yeah. grew beyond time and space and were able to manipulate the past, probably to avoid the situation that they found themselves in. Um because there was something said while they're in the Tesseract, um, Cooper comes to the realization that they, those mm -hmm. beings, are you and me, Tars. So it's like... Uh, he never says that, specifically you and me, but he does say... Us. Yeah, he says they're us. They're um, us. And Tars calls them the bulk beings, mm -hmm. which I don't know what that means or where that came from, but that's what he refers to the future humans as. Because that's what I was, is, is those future humans, is the black hole actually kind of like their livable space, and that's how they're able to do the Tesseract, and then he... No, and I, so, I think they're just using their, their knowledge of the black hole to manipulate it. Mm -hmm. See, yeah. that, that's, because uh, uh, if, if we continue on the logic of, you know, they're us, does that mean when... Tars and Coop go back to see uh, Dr. Uh, Rand on the new planet. Are they going to end up getting lost in the hole again so they can repeat it? Or No, no, no. no the black is, hole is, there, is a... Like, is there another group of future humans that have done that? I mean, with the way the time dilation works, I think it's possible that Coop and Tars might come out on the other side of the black hole and discover that brand has already uh incubated those embryos and might have already started a civilization okay. or because of the time dilation it's possible that they might arrive like right after she got there i was i am not a physicist at all <laughs> so the concept of time dilation and they just, never went into how how it was different for that planet so it's right they're going to they're going to get to her at some point where it, it's happening yeah um and the, my final thought on the movie before we wrap up is uh, I love everything about this movie except for the fact that I found myself doing math during it and I was mad about it. <laughs> I was it. told there'd be no math. Oh, there's a lot of math in this. Be oh, there, well, yeah, there's a lot of like real and theoretical yes. math being done in the yes. movie proper. But I was watching it trying to keep track of how much time was passing. And especially when it gets to... Uh, adult Murph's message where she tells him that they're the same age now. I was like, oh, fuck. All right, how much time has passed? Uh, before they leave the planet, 
uh, Coop explicitly says that Murph is 10 years old. Yes. And then it takes them two years to get from Earth to the Ring of Saturn. Mm-hmm. And then they are, they travel through the black hole. They're on the water planet for 23 years. Uh, so I was like. Because every hour is seven years down. Yes. There. Yeah. So altogether, they go through 25 years. So which would have made Murph 35, which would have mean uh, McCon- Cooper was 35 years old at the beginning of the movie and also 35 at the end of the movie. And that like doing that, the mental gymnastics to get there in my head also just made me realize what is the actual like beyond the 90 ish, give or take years that the plot takes place over. What is that like for Cooper and Brand? Because they get in a spaceship one day, they fly up to Earth's atmosphere, they go down for cryosleep for two years. Mm. To them, that's like an eight-hour sleep. Then they go through a black hole, they spend a few hours on a planet that turns out to be 23 years, they go to another planet. Conceivably, for them, the entire plot takes place, like once they get to space, over two or three days, it seems like. Sure, yeah, because, yeah, again, for them, it's it's very disorienting because things around them are taking leaps in age that they their brain can't kind of comprehend. Yeah, again, why you're not getting me in a spaceship and not sending me through a black hole. <laughs> well, uh, don't, well, don't worry. I mean, in, in, the, in this context, I mean, you can just let them do that and then just you can just reap the benefits. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. All right. Well, that is our discussion about Interstellar. And uh, before we wrap up, I want to announce what we are going to be doing next year in 2022. I'm springing this on the two of you uh, and the listeners as well, because I've been thinking like, all right, I really like the format that we've kind of established Um, because in 2020, we spent the whole year talking about the films of Tarantino, uh, much to Chris's chagrin. (laughs) This year, we spent the first six months talking about the view a universe from kevin smith we're spending the last half of the year talking about christopher nolan and we're going to wrap up that discussion next month with the movie tenet um what i was trying to decide if i wanted to do another theme next year if we i wanted to pick a director or pick two contrasting directors can we pick directors yes you can because what we're going to do next year is uh each one of us is going to pick four perfect films mm, what okay. we consider like perfect films okay, okay. and uh, next right. month when we do the tenant episode we're going to randomly pick which order we go in uh so we'll basically one of us will have four months then the next will have four months and then we'll finish it off uh but each month we're going to be discussing somebody's pick for a perfect film okay so that's going to be our uh theme for 2022 by the way uh, we're only a few weeks from 2022. How the yeah. fuck did that happen? But anyway. Well, time dilated. And- <laughs> yeah, no it, it, shit. It, it actually did, if you think about it. All right. So I know it's been a minute since uh, we've had a new episode of this show. Hopefully we'll start getting them out a little faster. Again, if there are any audio issues that you've noticed, if we're lower than usual or more echoey than usual, uh, Long Walk Productions is now in a new recording space. Uh, and we do, we're in a, very large open area we don't have our recording booth built yet so it might be a minute before we get back to our old audio quality and i apologize for that uh but 
In December, we're going to continue our, or we're going to wrap up our Nolan discussion with the film Tenet. Um, but this weekend, you will be able to hear um, Chris Barnes and David Two Donks Hayes from This no, Is a those Work. Those jerks. I know, those assholes. Uh, discussing AEW Full Gear. It was Full Gear, yeah. Yep. Uh, last weekend's AEW pay-per-view Full Gear. And then uh, also this weekend is the next uh, WWE pay-per-view. I know. And if you're surprised by that, man, uh, it's mostly because WWE seems like they forgot about it, too. What is this one? Survivor Series? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh, so you've got two episodes of This is a Work coming out within a week of each other, the AEW Full Gear episode and WWE Survivor Series. And I have no idea what the state of uh, NXT is. Hopefully, we'll continue doing more episodes of This is a Takeover. And uh, hopefully, I can get Katie over here at some time so that we can do another uh, Long Walk Teeny Talk. We should. I know I know, that, I know <clears throat> scheduling being what it is. We should. Uh, I, 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 I like doing the movie discussions. So we should um, swap over to something else every once in a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, just because of the way our schedule's... Well, it, mainly my schedule has right. worked it's just, out. It's easiest to just get together every few weeks and do a movie, yeah. Yeah, I would like to get, a, to get back to doing one episode a month that is a theme discussion and mm-hmm. then a second episode that is an off-topic, like, random episode where we discuss uh, TV shows, uh, games, video games, books, yeah. yeah, other forms of media other than movies. So hopefully, yeah, once... Uh, once my schedule chills out a little bit, which oh, it should after this life, weekend. what a bastard. I know. Uh, well, you know, we all went from, or I, I guess, went from having nothing to do That's in true. 2020 yeah. to actually having a whole bunch of shit to do, which has been both really nice and also a curse. Yes. Uh, so, Stan, I already know what the answer to this is going to be, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If people want to follow you online, where can they do Twitter. that at? Really, Stan? Twitter. <clears throat> what's your uh, what's your Twitter handle? At Stan the Man, fourteen sixty nine. Okay. That's, uh, one, that's probably too many characters. Two, <laughs> I hope the person who actually probably has that handle isn't suddenly <clears throat> ambushed. I hope they are. Obviously, that was, I don't have a Twitter. Yeah, I was gonna say obviously that was a lie. But he doesn't mind starting Twitter beef. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, if people want to follow you or reach out to you online, um, where can they do that at? I mean, I don't recommend it, but it's at Chris the OK. Um, sure. <laughs> OK. And uh, hashtag. if you want to reach out to me online or follow me online, you can do that on Instagram at D.B. Hensley. Uh, if you want to keep up with Long Walk Productions, you can visit us online at longwalk.us or you can search for Long Walk Productions and Long Walk Podcasts on Facebook. We also have a whole bunch of uh, Twitter and Instagram handles that I still haven't written down. Sorry about that, <laughs> oh, Shelby. No. Do I need to look them up real quick? No, or? you okay. just search for uh, Long Walk Podcasts on Twitter yeah. and Instagram, and you can find us. Um, you can also find the uh, podcast, uh, uh, the Instagram handles for this uh, work, and this is a takeover as well. I uh, recommend if you're on Twitter following an account called Shoebill every hour. They post uh, pictures of the Shoebill bird, which is a terrifying dinosaur bird. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing and hilarious to look at. Fantastic. Yes. We are not sponsored by Shoebills. I mean, you would We should be, be, but... Uh, Supposedly, they're pretty chill birds. Uh, they just look terrifying and mean. Wow.
Nice. Uh, to see more of our original work or hear past episodes that are no longer streaming, you can follow the YouTube links in the show notes. As always, thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoy this show or any of the shows on the Long Walk Podcast Network, please make sure to leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Peace out.